gosh, I, would, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's exactly the sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd, I'd probably conk him in the forehead. Well, folks, today I'm blessed with two mule deer aficionados, one white, one brown, uh, South Cox, <laughs> and my partner in crime, one, Frank. One short, one tall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, South came down and visited us from uh, the great north. Uh, how is it up in Estes Park, actually? We're actually getting some rain up there. I mean, it's been sporadic, but we've, got, we've had some weeks where we've just been getting pounded, so... Everything I've been hearing from the high country, um, from people that live closer to where I mule deer hunt, um, sounds like it's going to be a good year from moisture and, and uh, growth and all that. And it might push a lot of people off the mountain because the weather has not been real keen up there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was thinking uh, um, going like ultralight and just doing a tarp, but uh, with the reports I've been hearing and the amount of rain we've been getting in Estes, I... Uh, I don't think I'm going to do that. I, I kind of went the other direction. We were, um, we seam sealed, uh, well, they're, they're bringing eight mans up to Alaska. And then I seam sealed a sawtooth and thinking about all that rain. I'm like, maybe I'll bring this sawtooth <laughs> instead of like the norm. Cause getting, uh, yeah, getting stuck in the rain for, I don't, I don't think you've lived until you've been stuck for like 48 hours in a tent, which can't happen, but uh, I've never had it happen here. My only concern would be the lightning rod pole right there you know, sticking up <laughs> right uh, yeah no it uh be, be yeah it'll be interesting i think most i mean that is one thing we kind of well as well as you you've done this longer than we have you i kind of a good storm will blow some people off the mountain now when i say that if it's going to snow two feet i'm probably coming with them but multiple days of rain and getting wet it, that does drive a lot of people off the the mountain when you're you know camping at 12 5 or whatever um at least that's been my experience. Are you, do you hope on the same thing? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't take a lot when, uh, especially if you're a newbie, and as it's not to bust newbies balls because I I was there once myself, uh, but you get, uh, you know, a few days of not seeing very many animals and you get some bad weather and eating out of your backpack and it's enough to drive you off the mountain for sure. Yeah, yeah it can be. We, we've, um, I think 18 was the last time we had really... 19 it was dry and 18 was pretty wet yeah i think the opener of 18 maybe the first couple of days it rained pretty good yeah. it was kind of socked in there yeah yeah something like I mean, that as long but... as it doesn't snow like last year that probably yeah. ruined, that ruined a lot of people's hunts i would guess <laughs> yeah that I, i'm glad i wasn't up there i mean there's just too many cliffs and and the, even if you're not in the cliffs you're generally on super steep terrain and you get snow on top of that and it's just like you got skis on your feet yeah we we got a foot where we were elk hunting so i can't imagine what it did up there so yeah yeah when i got up there later in the um in the season on my elk hunt um similar elevation like twelve thousand, there was still a lot of snow on the ground and that was you know several weeks after uh, that that initial snow yeah i gotcha so what's been going on with with you i've i've, I've uh you you've got all kinds of stuff in the works irons in the fire yeah man i i haven't slept much since december of last year your crow's foot got a little bigger from stress i can see already oh yeah it's a turkey's foot now <laughs> um, yeah i've been uh so in december last year um we bought a new building um to uh, make room for the acquisition of A&H archery um, out of Michigan. I bought 
uh, that that company, which is all longbows. And they the, the reason why I was interested in that company is because they had use of the ACS uh, limb patent, which if you picture the profile of a tape measure, how it's concave like that, Basically, if you do, if you break your your bow limb into thirds, the the bottom third is flat, you know, just like any traditional um, bow limb, and then the middle third transitions from flat to a um, kind of a concave profile, like a tape measure, and that last third maintains that uh, concave profile. And what that does is that stiffens up the limb, um, and uh, a in order to um, offset that stiffer limb, you have to make it thinner. Um, otherwise, you're going to be making you know an exponentially heavier draw weight. And with a, a lighter, stiffer limb, it's more responsive, less hand shock. And uh, those um, A and H longbows are super fast. And I'd been talking to Larry Hanafy, the owner of A uh, and H, for a couple of years, and he's had been wanting to retire and was working on selling the the business. And we end up working out a deal. And then, in the middle of all that, I had to um, get the uh, uh, you know use of the patent because uh, Larry had use of the patent but didn't own it. And so I contacted the guy who owned the patent. And he had mentioned that um, Dryad was also wanting to retire, and they were the only other uh, um, recipient there or uh, licensed user of the patent. And so we ended up picking up Dryad as well. And uh, they've got a super curve um, ACS limb, and and uh, then also a different style longbow limb, and um, have you know ILF. Uh, attachments for those limbs too so it kind of broadened the um broadened the base of the 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 limb there um for us and and offered a bunch of different limb styles so i went from you know i was already super busy and didn't need anything else going on to now all of a sudden it's just been madness and uh, it's been pretty chaotic since april when we actually ended up moving both uh, companies into, into uh, our new location in the did same you, month. Did you have to drive out there and pick everything up? Um, yeah, in Michigan. So I flew out. Um, Larry uh, got a U-Haul and loaded that U-Haul up. I flew out there. Um, he picked me up at the airport and brought me back to his place, and the U-Haul was already loaded. So I was there for an hour and turned around, hit the gas, and drove back to Colorado. And, and uh the stuff that we got from um, from uh, Dryad, they brought up from Texas to us. So um, one trip down, you know, are out there to Michigan to to pick all that stuff up, and so it wasn't too bad. Um, but you know, long haul driving back from Michigan with a twenty six foot U haul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I had I've actually had a few guys because you you got me um, basically a Vortex and a Wolverine uh, G ten riser about a week and a half ago and i had had multiple people actually you know tell me like hey can you tell me what the uh the, you know the new the acs limbs or or uh the tape measure type limb is what a lot of people yeah. <laughs> refer to it as right uh speed wise because i've never been much of a a longbow guy but not because of the limb profile generally the grip is the issue sure. i have so putting longbow limbs on uh, uh, you know the standard like the the grip Pistol you make grip, me for the yeah. Wolverine is right. would for certainly work. I guess those limbs are just as fast as or faster than most recurves, aren't they? Yeah, they are faster than most recurves. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think? Uh, 
for lack of a better explanation, when will you have all your shit in a pile when it comes to everything we've been talking about? Are you getting it pretty lined out now? It's getting real close. Yeah. I mean, I've, our production is slowed down as we've been playing around and experimenting in R and D and all that. So it's been killing me, um, from a production standpoint, but we're making good headway on, um, I, I've been bringing that ACS limb into the stalker line and I'm working on, you've got uh, woven carbon back and belly on your limbs, but I'm working on doing a veneered limb. And so I've been playing around with different, um, you know, different combinations of carbon and fiberglass and different types of fiberglass to try to get the optimum and performance and durability. And, and, uh, so that's been taking me some time, but I think I've got a, a recipe I want now. And, uh, I'm actually working on a bow for myself, which, um, <laughs> it's supposed to be going hunting here in about 10 days and I haven't even finished building it yet. So we're getting tight on time frame, but, <laughs> um, through hunting season, I think I'll have everything pretty well figured out. I've already got the ACS longbow limb for the coyote riser nailed down. And, uh, and I'll be doing ILF stuff that realistically probably won't happen until post season. But my goal is to have, um, you know, an ACS veneered limb. So you're not, you know, if you want wood veneers instead of woven carbon, then we'll have that to offer in the, um, all the different ACS designs. Cause it's been pretty much either black glass or woven carbon has been the options for the ACS stuff. Gotcha. So that the limb that you made me, that's a, more of a prototype, um, kind of an S curve recurve or a super curve limb. What what is that called that you actually made me, or what will it be called? So named it yet? Yeah, yeah. So I'll just be calling that one the Wolverine with ACS limbs. You know, with the ACS super curve limbs. Gotcha. It is uh, it is fast actually. So I had a three hundred spine uh, arrow with two fifty up front. Um, and I got down to two, well, I, I, I got down to 220 up front, uh, and they were tearing weak, but it was also firing 198 feet per second or 96 with a 589 grain arrow. So I, uh, I actually, I ordered 250 spines, uh, which should be here this week. So I, I'm assuming I'm going to get around 180 out of a 600 and some 630 grain arrow, 180, 185, which uh, it's one of the faster bows, if not the fastest bow I've tested. And there's no hand shock in the one I have, but that G10 riser is is a beast. Yeah, they are boat anchors, that's for sure. I, I like a heavy bow, though. Yeah. I, I'm assuming you're not going to be packing around that six-pound bad boy. <laughs> I, I I actually am with you on that one. I really like a heavy bow, too, but I'm I'm willing to sacrifice the, the weight just to have the pretty wood. I'm much more interested in looking at wood than um <laughs> than green and black yeah. g10 what kind of conversation are we having here <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get yeah i like wood uh-huh. uh no the the definitely the bows that i kind of cater to are, are not visually appealing that is for sure because if you take well like the the wolverine riser you that the one you brought back to me from when i ate shit coming off the mountain like that's a work of art then the other thing's just kind of a black and white riser there's yeah. not you know it's not as pretty i i think they're better looking personally but I, i'm not a wood guy you've been a wood guy sure. your whole life yeah i mean the the od green and and black together it makes a good looking combination in that woven carbon it all does go together well but it definitely is kind of you know it's not a natural look it's 
it's more it's got no soul it's something hawkeye yeah. would be shooting off the roof at aliens a little bit more than than uh you can't you can't really see hawkeye from avengers grabbing um what, what's your cocoboa is that your favorite wood oh uh, not gonna be probably fire it, it changes <laughs> yeah depending on what the the wood of the week there yeah mm. i've got all kinds of favorites it's, you know one one different piece of wood can sway me one way or the other yeah, yeah. frank yeah i can see something from cu- coming out <laughs> now did you see any increase in sales from the jack car books by chance um i know he's mentioned you a couple times on there yeah uh i i don't know i mean it'd be hard to attribute it you know to any one specific thing yeah Yeah. i mean it was pretty cool and there's no doubt about it being i was like somebody sent me a message with a screenshot i'm like what (laughs) yeah yeah no it's crazy um because he talked about tom clum and Mm. the struggle stick because i was giving him i'm like you stole that shit from me i stole it from ryan avery but and ryan avery stole it from some old dude at a gas station that sold recurves in a gas station (laughs) something when avery told me the story because i think the last elk he killed was with your bow um he young went in i want a recurve and he said it was like four weeks before season and uh (laughs) the guy was like well you know, when you pick up the struggle stick, it's going to be an uphill road to hoe. You probably got a year or two ahead of you. He goes, fuck that. I'm hunting in four weeks. He's like, I'm good. And he did. He killed an elk. <laughs> too <laughs> but, funny. Yeah. That's where that, the struggle stick came from originally for on my end was him telling me that story about the dude in the gas station. That's so, funny. Yeah, yeah. Selling bows out of a gas station. It, that would be a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's no, no kidding. Idaho's a bit of a strange place though. You can get ammo from the gas station if you want to. Yeah. 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 Kind certain, of a one-stop shop type, de- type thing. Parts of Idaho are definitely stranger than, than others. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like the drive through liquor stores. I still haven't wrapped my head around that one yet. <laughs> yeah. No drink and drive, but drive up and grab some alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, so what do you, did you, cause you've grown, what'd you start this in 07, 08? 07. Yeah. yeah. So did you, you think you'd be where you are now? um the thing with me is that i'm um i love being part of like big things as far as uh lots of stuff going on um so it doesn't surprise me but i didn't really intend to go necessarily to where i'm at right now that wasn't wasn't i what i like in a vision that i had but i um you know i've i'm always into growth and so you know really it if I look at myself and uh, my aspirations just naturally as a business person, then that it doesn't surprise me really. Yeah. You definitely, definitely are one of the top contenders now for, uh, for custom uh, bows. The the thing it seems like with most boyers right now is they're, they're not keeping up as well. Um, I mean, how far, what's your lead time? Where have you fallen back to, or have you stayed, stayed up fairly close? We're about three months and I'm really hoping that, um, so Jake was my, it's like my main employee and, and, uh, he's been largely out of production since April, just working on computer stuff and bringing everything over onto the CNC from the two companies that we we acquired and then also um, bringing more of our operations onto the cnc machine and so um it's been you know crippling from a production standpoint because normally he's out there you know almost all day with me building and uh and i've hired a couple more employees and um so there's been you know training that's uh that always slows stuff down um so we you know once we get through all the the CAD work on the CNC, 
then, uh, you know, post hunting season, I think it realistically it'll be before we really get all caught up on that. Then I'm hoping to shrink those lead times down to closer to six weeks, ideally. Um, I mean, there's a, there's quite a few boyers out there who are, you know, eight, 10, 12 or plus months out, but their production levels as far as volume is a lot lower. So it doesn't take too many orders to get them backed up, you know, way up. Yeah. Yeah. I, everybody I know is lead times are I said, well, yours is three months, about as low as as I know of. I think everybody else is six months all the way up to 24 or something. So it's pretty, pretty wild. But so what all hunts do you have uh, lined up? Um, I know uh, to try and go hunting with you on one, I stared at a computer screen for my phone for uh, almost 24 yeah. hours. Not quieter. I would have had the tag. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, I, I just got a last minute Nevada mule deer tag. So that, um, kind of caught me with my pants down thus i'm you know building a bow here last minute for that hunt and i'm going to be leaving for that one in about 10 days or so so i'll miss uh the first five days of the season um but maybe the you know hopefully the traffic will clear out and there'll be fewer people on the mountain by the time i get up there so i'm doing a 10-day hunt there um and uh then from there uh I'll, when i get home from that one i'll be home for four or five days and then leave for colorado mule deer and so another you know roughly 10 days and then come home for a week and then go back out again for elk and and uh so we'll be actually it'll be less than a week there um and that's the one you and i'll be doing together there we were able to get a couple vouchers for a, a draw unit and uh that's i've been i've been in this unit a couple of years now um and we're gonna get, it's gonna be fun man we're gonna get into some elk there's no doubt about that no it'll be good i think mike hearn's coming to uh to video and call and then you've got a a, a caller and a video, videographer as well don't you yeah yeah a couple guys that i used uh last year um levi mayfield from oklahoma and then uh mitchell he came along and called for me. He's a local guy up there just out of Longmont. And uh, I touched base with him. I got to check in with him again here and nail him down. Um, but yeah, it was a, a good group of guys. And, and uh, we had a lot of fun up there on the mountain there last year. And we started to kind of get it, you know, a little bit better figured out. We were camped in the wrong location and hunting them from the top rather than hunting them from the bottom. So we're going to be hunting them from uh, the bottom this time, right out the gate. And there's a bunch of country that, um, you know, further back in that I haven't explored yet, but we've got a canyon that has always produced, you know, and generally has eight to 10 bulls in there. So I'm pretty jacked to get back in there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, Mike took the whole end of the season off to, to film. So that'll be cool. The other thing I was mentioning to South is, he will be not the shortest person in camp. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a first. Yeah. How tall? What's Mike? Five, five? Uh, five, six, I think. Well, five, according to him. Yeah. I don't know. How tall are you? Five, seven. Oh yeah. There you got go. him. Yeah. yeah. You can dunk on him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's one of the very few guys, uh, you, you and, and Mike that, that make fun of their own height or don't get, don't have little man syndrome. Mike could give a shit. He's a pretty comical dude possibly slightly a bit of a drinking problem maybe uh, <laughs> we'll have to go through his pack and pull out the bottles of whiskey huh <laughs> yeah well when we hiked in last time he was pretty spartan because he was worried about uh you know just the weight you know heading in but uh -huh. 
Yeah, he um, he's a trip. He's a good dude. Well, uh, don't tell him we're bringing llamas. They'll be loaded <laughs> cases of beer. <laughs> no kidding. Where'd my pack go? I don't know. I got beer though. Yeah. yeah. No, that Elcon will be be good. Um, have they? So that you started to do a few more podcasts on on your own podcast recently. They kind of went into a lull. I'm assuming that's because of all the crap yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get back into the studio. I. I Finally got back um, and got a couple recorded, and then uh, I'm probably a week out since the last one I did. So it's just hard to keep all the balls in the air. I've literally been working, you know, 80, 90 hour weeks at work, seven days a week, and and uh, since December, I've you know only had a handful of days where I actually have had fewer than say five hours in the shop um on the weekends but yeah it's been been crazy i can vouch for that you're the one guy i can call when i wake up and you're you're up which is crazy um sometimes the other oh yesterday you were like still doing the podcast in the morning and it, i think it was six and i was yeah. like tomorrow right because <laughs> i thought i'd screwed up and you were like it's noon it's lunchtime by my standards already right but <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, this is a question I got uh, that I brought up on the Stickbow Chronicles with Rob that somebody messaged to me, and I didn't. I don't really think of things the way this guy asked, but he had talked about um, it, it, it was you and me and Jake and Stickbow and some some of the other traditional archers. How do you think you are going to be remembered in 30, 40, 50 years, South Cox? I don't know if I will be remembered. Well, that, that was. I was like, man, I really don't think about this stuff you know yeah. i said i didn't imagine i'd ever be in the position i'm in to begin with so to think that to have my name brought up with some of the the, the greatest traditional archers ever is is awkward at best i mean uh, i you know i would i didn't really know how to respond and he was really digging into the fact of like you know you have uh like the Paul Schaefer and Fred Bear and Howard Hill and and then the Winslow brothers and he listed all these people off will we be remembered the same way with technology and everything else? And I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know, but I'll ask South cause he's coming down what he thinks. And you have the same shitty answer I have. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> as, as you, you know, we're talking there with kind of thinking about it and um, I mean, it's been a, in, my career, you know, quote unquote has been a kind of an interesting trajectory. If you know, you followed it from the beginning in that, you know, I started out hunting with a compound, probably like, you know, most people, um, and I uh, did that for, you know, 20 plus years and wrote for Eastman's along the way. And, and people that knew me when I was younger may remember that part of, of uh, you know, who I was. And, and then as I transitioned into shooting a stick bow and started doing more video work, um, I think that the guys that I've had, um, you know, editing my videos and filming for me have really done the video work a lot of justice that i've been able to put out and so i think a lot of people you know kind of as this youtube generation um is kind of coming about more people will probably remember me from that just because of greater exposure and longevity i mean when you print a magazine you, you know you if if it sits around on a coffee table you know it'll get viewed for you know a period of months but you know a youtube video once it's put up is years and years um if not decades um that you know people could still be picking that up and and uh and viewing that and and then the legacy with stalker building bows i don't know how many more people would know me from stalker versus the videos but um i think it 
I can tell you what I hope is that people will um, remember me for um, kind of helping to inspire people to get out um, in the mountains and uh, and enjoy you know pick up a stick bow even if they shot a compound or currently do shoot a compound and and uh, I hope that I've been able to help by uh, kind of um, relieve that um what i call it the trad nazis you know um kind of exit that generation of the people who look down their nose at the guys that are shooting compounds because i think that that really did a lot of damage to traditional archery um for decades the people that just really um looked at their you know fellow bow hunters that hunted with compounds as lesser people you know well, you and I have the same views on that and have had this deal with some of the same nitwits, um, the, the trad Nazis, which they're not all old. I have found one called you, I believe, or messaged you, yeah. and I think. Uh, and then he recently posted on social just to make sure everybody knew he was going to sell his Kafaru pack, just just to make sure that he, he everyone knew, which was <laughs> weird. And it's one of those things that... Um, I mean, I don't, I don't. What really, was it about trad though? What was it about? Yeah. He, you want me to tell the. It didn't like hunt wars, right? Yeah. He said we yeah. were bad for the traditional archery community because we did hunt wars. And, uh, you what know. about I, like alone? Is that good for the. Well, well, I don't know who wrote the book. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. maybe, what are the rules here? Maybe he wrote the you book. You guys right? said a good exposure for, uh, for traditional archery. I talked to him on the phone and I just said, can you have a little faith in your fellow man that South and I are you know, going to get a go, go out there and represent, you know, traditional archery. And I had brought up, I was like, you can't really ask for, you know, like I was on Rogan, you've been on a ton of podcasts. He's got tons of videos out. Like as far as a footprint, uh, it, you know, the risk of somebody giving me shit about this, I don't think anyone two or any two people have a bigger footprint than, than South and I in the traditional archery community. I, mean, I don't, I, I can't think of another one, but I mean, there might be, but I would say we're, there's, yeah, I mean, certainly up there. I mean, Fred Eichler does a lot as well. You could put, you know, a name like his up there. and Yeah. But there's not a lot of people who have, you know, a reach that are shooting a stick bow. It's a very niche, you know, segment of the of the sport for sure. Well, and the only reason I didn't bring up like Eichler is he's been doing it a while. I'm like newer, you sure. know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. newer, mm -hmm. it's about as good as you can get. And when I say good, meaning how many people, I don't know how many people he and I have converted to a stick bow, but it's a, a fucking pile, like thousands. And I don't say that as a pound of chest thing. It's a, I'm sure you get messages selling my compound. What bow should I get? Yeah. So, you know that every day. Yeah. yeah. And and it's something I, I, I like the fact that we're doing that. It's just that if it's not in whoever's writing that book, that specific day's specific way, they don't like it. Like I use a range finder. I guess that's the, I'm a Nazi, right, or whatever. I use because I use a rangefinder <laughs> when I when I. But I, I'm a gap shooter, so I don't use it close up. But I mean, things like that. And and when we wear Sitka gear, so that since we're not wearing flannel, we're stupid. Um, I could go on and on, and it's just weird because it's like, well, we all have a bow in our hand. Is it that big of a of a deal? And I think that's kind of what you were leading up to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I just think it's really unfortunate that we you know there's so much bickering amongst us when um we have much greater problems outside you know hunting with the anti-hunting influence i mean look at we just got wolves passed here in colorado while that you know 
wasn't necessarily directly from the anti-hunters that sure is going to impact us as hunters. And had we, you know, spend this time that we're bickering amongst ourselves focused, you know, on what actual threats are, you know, whether, you know, one guy's using a rangefinder or not. I mean, it's, it's insane. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't, Frank and I, we hunt together and there's, I mean, it's weird because, well, it's not probably the same with you. There's never any anima. It's not like no. Frank's ever like, hey, stupid, why aren't you shooting a, a compound? Occasionally, I'll give you crap and be like, when are you going to try a stick bow again? But overall, I don't care to go hunt with compound or stick bow guys or shoot 3Ds or whatever. There, I don't know why the animosity is, is there. And, and 100%, the reason I didn't pick up a stick bow and had kind of looked down on them was how I was treated by stick bow guys for quite some time um and so now i like the fact that at a 3d course i can be with you guys or four or five compound dudes and when people have questions they'll walk up and ask and and it's more open open armed i guess um i don't know you got anything else to add to that no i mean i i I as well I, i hunt with more compound people every year than i do with stick bow guys and it's not to say that you know it's i don't look at it as you know i'm I'd rather hunt with guys shooting a compound or I'd rather hunt with guys that are shooting a stick bow. I, you know, for me, it's the individual and the weapon that they're carrying in their hand is less of a concern to me than who the person is themselves. Yeah, it's unique, but I, I think it's kind of coming, coming around the corner. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think that that, um, you know, the, the quote unquote stick bow Nazi guys are um, fading into the background for the most part. Well, numbers don't lie everybody's bow sales are up arrow sales are up you know yeah. i mean it's a good good thing all the way around and i i wish i would have started earlier um you know shooting a stick but it is what it is i'm shooting one now it's it's more of a i get tunnel it's more of a challenge and adventure and i you know i will say on day 14 it's frank's trying to guide me into a, uh-huh. a deer that there are times where i'm sure you probably you may not admit it. You ever get tired of flagging me into deer after you've already <laughs> killed yours? Depends. Yeah, it depends <laughs> if I'm tagged out or not. <laughs> uh, but can but, we get off this damn mountain already? <laughs> well, I, we were talking about it this year. I'm ready for an easy one. The first year we went, probably 13 days of hunting. Frank killed yours on what day six or seven? Six, I think. Yeah, and of then season he, day eight of being there. Yeah, then he uh, helped me out, and and then. Uh, we had came out and came back in and I got one. And then 19, we stayed in for 10 or 11 days. You killed on the first. Um, and then you stayed with me for five more. Uh, he came out and then I stayed for anyway, I still had to go back in to get one. And so I'm, I'm certainly ready for an easy one. I've actually made jokes about, I'm never, he's got some kind of a voodoo doll. Cause I remember I'd given you shit about the hike. I think, what'd you call it? The first uh perseverance yeah uh-huh. and i was watching that i'm like how did he miss that and then i sure shit i'd missed a few that yeah first <laughs> it wasn't just how did you miss that but how did you miss five times <laughs> and i think i missed three uh-huh. um uh something like that and then you had lower back your lower back was stiff and then about a year after i gave you shit about it my lower back got super stiff which i'm finding out now is my my psoas and that's actually something i'm going to talk to you you should get dry needling done on your back have you ever had it uh-uh, no sweet is that like uh what is that um Simil- acupuncture similar similar it's a deeper needle and they oh, it, I, I hate needles man, man <laughs> you're scaring me here. it'd be worth it uh 
that first time I came back from her doing my lower back, I was showing everybody I could touch my toes. I hadn't no been touched my toes in 20 years. Yeah. But I, I about farted on her. Like she was releasing things back uh-huh. there. I'm like, Caroline, you might want to back <laughs> off. Cause I could, it's hard to explain. It's almost like elect, electricity when she hits that muscle to break it up. Huh. But when she did it, it was immediate relief from head to toe on my lower back and pretty much been good to go ever since. Man. I mean, it, uh, it, How long ago did you get that done? Probably what, a month? A couple months ago. Yeah, a couple huh. months. And it's, damn. I mean, in the morning, every now and then, my back's a little bit stiff, obviously, like especially if I do a heavy ruck run and then uh-huh. sleep, but not like it was. Like it, I don't know how bad yours got, but it get to where I had to like put my elbow on my knee to lean over and grab my shoes when I yeah. got out of bed. There were times when, <laughs> um, you know, my back would go out and I literally was on the couch for a week. And then, you know, I'd have to roll off the couch onto my hands and knees and crawl to wherever I was going. I mean, it was <laughs> not good. Yeah. Too many years of doing construction. Well, that's what I was telling uh, Amy and, and Caroline, you know, the, the military and rucking and then construction. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't roofing by any stretch, but you're punched over all the time. Right. Um, you know, and then carrying and w- whatever else. So it's just, I think it's just caught when, cause I'm, cause you, you're 50 what? Two. 52. So. Well, you've got me my seven plus years, and I would imagine things that I'm is hitting me now hit you seven to ten years yeah. ago, probably. <laughs> so, I uh, the, the deep needling though has been. Well, I came into work, I couldn't lift my arm over my head. I didn't know if I was gonna be able to hunt. Like I'd have to shoot, hold my bow arm out, grab it, and then oh, bring man. it in. Mm-hmm. She fixed it in one trip, really. Holy I'm, cow! Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, mine was muscular, so the. Uh-huh made the tendons tight um and then you've got the same had the same thing kind of going on and and uh you you stretch quite a bit you do have to do what she tells you as far as stretching but i would say take some drugs go get dry needled if you don't like needles it uh-huh. was it was amazing i mean other than the fact it was like an exorcism coming out of my lower back i mean she was hitting shit and releasing it that wow i didn't know was a problem um have you had your lower back done yeah it's weird isn't it yeah i it Sometimes it hurts a little bit, but yeah. after it feels better. Yeah, I would. It's kind of like a nerve pain. I'll and, give you her number. I would. All right. We just had her on the podcast, but uh-huh. she does cupping. It still looks like a freaking octopus tried to have, to have <laughs> sweet love with my back because she does cupping on my shoulders and lower in my back. Yeah. And then uh, she dry needling, and you know she's she's a um, I, I guess she's a her her standard definition of what she does is a chiropractor. But she doesn't really adjust you. It's uh-huh. more the dry needling and huh. wh- whatever you need, really. All right. You're like, yeah, I still don't like needles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on this, uh, the, the elk hunt that we're going to go on, um, which I, you, when you said llamas, I was fairly excited about that because packing in a 75-pound pack is never, yeah. never fun. And then but, packing an elk out, it's even less fun. Yeah, no kidding. But how far how far in is that? Can you disclose any of that? Or? Yeah, so um, we're – where we're going, um, you know, to be setting up our camp at last, so last year, um, we were in, I think it was seven and a quarter miles. And when we, uh, when I shot my bull, we, we packed it out in a day, including camp, but that was two trips. So we did basically almost 22 miles in 12 and a half hours going back in and out. It's not a bad hike where, uh, it's mostly, you know, fairly level, a little bit of incline, but it's not bad at all. I mean, it's 
far as like my mule deer where I go is about 4,000 feet of elevation gain and over about 10 miles. And it sucks. Um, but this one is, yeah, I would say as far as a, you know, scale of one to 10, it's about a two and a half. That's, I wouldn't mind a two and a half every now and then. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that'll be. Now, once we get in there, hunting wise, you know, you're back up to the, you know, eight to nine. I mean, it's, we're in the bottom of the canyon. So obviously we're hiking up, you know, from the bottom, but it worked out really well because the thermals obviously are coming down in the morning. And uh, we ran into problems hunting it from the top. We, were, we had great visibility. We were able to see everything well from the top, but we were getting killed by the wind. And so it just made sense to start hunting from the bottom, you know, hunt your way up with the wind coming down. And then we just kind of hang out during midday and then roll over to a west facing slope where it's getting sun beaten, you know, and you got good uphill thermals. Cause I, that's the one, the one real negative about this place is the wind just, it sucks, man. The wind swirls like crazy, but if you can get yourself on a hillside where the sun's really hitting it hard, that's when I killed my bull was, um, was uh, there in the evening when that, that hillside was just lit up and, and we never had the wind falter on us once. Yeah, no, that's good. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, I think after that, which no one knows this yet, Frank is taking my place on a goat hunt, which I should probably tell Brady that before we <laughs> release this podcast. Because <laughs> um, I had gotten a, 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 a elk tag I hadn't expected and a mule deer tags for the beginning of October. Um, and then I think, what else am I shooting? October? I can't remember. It's a good problem to have. There's a yeah, lot going a lot on. Of um, but I think it, well, one, it'll be good. I've went on, um, I've been on several goat hunts, so we get, I think, are you going to bring the gun? Yeah. yeah Is that Alaska? So. Yeah. Right on. What, uh, Southeast or? Yeah. Cordova area. Yeah. Yeah. You guys ever looked at Kodiak for, uh, for goats? I just, I've had talk people cause you can do it over the counter type uh -huh. of a thing, but I've never, I've never done, um, you know, Kodiak for goats, but it sounds like you, I mean, good population. Yeah. Yeah. Have you yeah, been think, in there for that? Uh, no, I've fished it. Um, I've hunted Kodiak once for deer, and then I fished it three years. Um, and the area where I was fishing, uh, it was pretty close to where the goats are at. And uh, a fr in fact, a friend of mine, um, his twin brother's a resident, so he was able to go up there and goat hunt. Flew into the, to the lake that formed the headwaters to the little river that we had fished, um, and they were, you know, they got into goats you know regularly i don't think he killed one they're in there for yeah i think the residents can shoot two up there if i'm not mistaken yeah you can it's crazy yeah because um they uh when i shot that wolverine they brought me in another tag and i put my goat tag because you could uh -huh. shoot two goats so i put my first goat tag on the wolverine and then they brought yeah. me in another tag so that's wild too yeah yeah considering here it's a miracle to have right. you been putting in for goat here? I have, yeah. I finally got over that, what, three-year hump there. That's with the goats too, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, So I think this year was my – and I put in for a nanny tag, but I didn't draw. Yeah. But I'll – hopefully, that's my, like, my bucket list animal because I'm smart enough not to put sheep on my bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that – the goat I killed, um, that was with your bow. I mean, that uh -huh. was uh, that was a nanny tag because I killed – I kind of looked at it in the one, let's – get it out of the way um yeah. when i say that meaning i didn't want to wait you know 10 15 years for a billy tag and i'd right. shot billies before and it ended up being one of the cooler hunts of the year um 
that uh, uh, Amy and Luke were at the valley floor and took, I mean, it was cool. And Frank and I went up there and um, Frank had to hit it with rocks to get it out of its damn bed. Um, I mean, you probably threw rocks at it for what, 20 minutes? Yeah, not literally. Holy cow. Not literally, people. I threw, a, I had to throw a rock to get it to stand up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying, yeah, the way today you do have to preface that, I guess, yeah. in today's society. But Frank <laughs> was throwing rocks at the goat to get it to stand up. Isn't that weird, though? Like, uh-huh. mule deer the same way. Before I went and met up with you, I had a, a three by three. I was contemplating shooting, and I'd probably thrown thirty rocks at it. And it got to a point where I just sat there and was like, "I'm going to wait and see if anybody comes through." And I literally brushed, you know, fairly heavily, but didn't even think about it. But my pack on a rock, kind of dragging it. Yeah, yeah. That, I probably threw twenty rocks at that thing, didn't move, and that mm-hmm. thing got out of dodge from that. I mean, yeah, it, it's amazing. How many you've had some amazing rock throwing events um, yeah didn't you drop 30 something for whatever on one deer and it never moved yeah i had a cameraman that that uh, literally threw every rock within arm's reach of him <laughs> at this buck and it never got up and finally he set the camera down went and gathered more rocks and then uh threw all those at him and the yeah buck never got up <laughs> i mean just raining rocks at this deer well, that that um that one where at well that riser that you just brought me back that was uh-huh. dinged up that's where justin fell in that crevice yeah so that crevice is like eight feet wide and uh-huh. it's a chute and it's just loose boulders and yeah. i mean like like the size of this holy cow and when i when he went down i was like now look dude you're gonna make some noise it doesn't matter who you are you're not getting down yeah. there quiet the deer don't seem to mind well he cliff tested himself he shot he rolled down most of it and those <laughs> deer didn't even move but i tell you what they moved when he got <laughs> <laughs> he was making noise at the wrong time, but uh-huh. they're just used to boulders falling yeah. down that. And I, I don't think people probably understand that as much as what you can get away with and what you, you can't. Right. Um, you get away with quite a bit if it sounds natural when it doesn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to. Yeah, you scrape fabric against, uh, you know, a branch or something like that. And, and uh, yeah, it's not a sound that they recognize. Feathers on the pant leg is a bad one. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about you're, it. You're naked. Speaking of which, did you did you watch the recent stocking tips video? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The underwear part that was just for you, right? Uh, I recognize that. <laughs> yeah, that um, that truly though, there is a lot of guys that um make a lot. I mean, Lander asked if. Luke had ever hunted before, hadn't he? Because he was making so much noise. I just don't, I think some people don't key into certain yeah, things. Yeah, you know, that's noise, fabric, clothing noise like that. And just, I mean, you know, folding up your tripod and letting the legs bang together. All those are are just noises that are going to, you know, in the aluminum legs banging together on a tripod will carry for hundreds of yards. And it seems like there's nothing worse than doing that in the desert country in Arizona. I don't know what it is about the acoustics down there, but it seems like it just carries 10 times further than, you know, anywhere else. Yeah, no, it's true. So what, um, uh, cause we're about 45 minutes into this, what, um, just with questions and we've talked about this at, what do they call, say? Nausea? Is that right? Nauseum. At nauseum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> five key things for mule deer, high country mule deer hunters. If you're going to pick five, like what are the five major things people screw up, overlook, things like that? Um, okay. So start out like just glassing. I think probably a lot of people don't 
really sit down and uh, and and I find myself guilty of this at times as well. Sit down in glass long enough and thorough enough. Um, I I hunted uh, up there in Nevada and bumped into a guy who reminded me, you know, of this in that he uh, he basically sat in one basin for the better part of a week and uh, you know just kept picking this thing apart and he and his hunting partner both end up killing really nice four points out of this one basin that you know I'd spent time blasting into a bit but I knew he was in there so I didn't uh, you know give it maybe as as much time as you would and there was a fair bit of cover in there which only you know further drives home the fact that you need to to glass it more um, but changing vantage points as you're glassing um, even moving 100 yards at a time or 50 yards depending on how much cover there is um, another good example is I was glassing a basin in Nevada and I you know popped up in there and sat down and glass didn't find anything and then I started moving 50 to 100 yards at a time and I circled maybe a third of the basin and then picked up a really nice buck bedded under a juniper that I couldn't see from any other angle and so if you get up and you you know get up to the rim of your basin you sit down in glass and you um and you uh think that you've seen everything you're only fooling yourself there because there's a ton of country that um you know that, that gets covered up by even a you know one rock a buck could be bedded on the other side of it um or a you know a, a, a bush or something like that so getting up and and uh glassing from different perspectives is really important um then uh let's see um i would say that uh one of the the uh big things is um like when you, you know, when you're glassing up a deer when you found a deer um planning your stalking route um there's been numerous times when i've been uh when i've spotted a buck and looked at it's like there's no way you know that this there's no approach and then you really start because everything kind of from a distance looks really two-dimensional when you're looking at topography but as you um really start to study it then you can uh, you can start picking up subtle terrain changes and nuances in the terrain that it doesn't take much to give you the um you know a, a, a low spot a dip that you can slip down in and um i was able to i i don't know how many animals that i've shot how many bucks i've shot where at first i thought that there's no way i could get on them and then by studying the terrain was able to pick out a stalking route and get down and and uh get a shot or or uh you know get a uh, get my tag notched there so really studying your stalking route um and it looking for those not getting lost yeah uh, or or maybe losing the Disor deer yeah <laughs> getting disoriented yeah there's another one right there um so taking a picture through your spotting scope um and then going into your edit feature on your phone um not only taking a picture through your spotting scope but then just take a picture you know across the canyon and then um you know mark it up with uh the drawing feature and that's come in really handy and the times that i haven't done that so here's a great example, and I may have already spoken about this in the past, but um, just last year, I uh, I asked up a buck that was bedded under an overhanging rock, 
and I did just that. I took my my uh, phone, took a picture, marked it all up, got in there, got on top of that rock. Um, I didn't end up getting a shot, but the buck did come out, and I was you know less than oh probably fifteen feet from this buck the whole time he was underneath that rock. But later in the year, I went back up again and uh, figured, oh, I've already been over there before. So I don't need to, you know, go through the trouble of taking a picture and all that. Well, I got back over there and I got on top of the wrong rock and sat there for two hours when the buck was, <laughs> you know, had been directly up the hill and right in my scent trail. So he probably <laughs> split in the first 30 seconds of that two hours there. That, that I think with, <clears throat> with that, and I mean, well, Frank's watched me do it. Um, I don't know. The non-typical deer, what was that, probably two and a half miles from walking from where we were to where I got on that deer? Probably two, yeah, probably two, I would say. Um, I mean, how far is that? About two miles, about a mile across, just a huge canyon-style basin. It's a hump to yeah. get there. So I got all the way over there, and we had pictures and, and everything else. And um, I had service at the top, and, and I, I would have used 100%. I was like, I have, there's two of the same looking areas and I would have texted Frank it's yeah. legal I would have been like dude my but I lost service at the top and I literally I don't know if you remember I I grabbed my I was sitting there and I took my my shoes off and I'm like I'm like all right it's right in front of me and you knew I was the moment I knocked an arrow and went left I passed the deer uh -huh. um I probably passed it by probably 40 yards to the left of it maybe um I walked right, but I, I thought I was going to have a three foot shot. It was that kind of a ledge. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I, I didn't have a shot, but I walked, you, you knew I was screwed quite earlier than I did. Um, but I, that's a long ways away. I mean, yeah. that's a long ways to go and then end up right on the money. As the spotter, it's such a helpless feeling when you're watching the hunter do make the wrong move too, yeah. it, or the buck gets up and rebeds or something like that. You know, that's, it's super frustrating from sitting there glassing it's like oh great just i'll start packing my pack right now <laughs> yeah well and i'm probably more blunt than i should be so like when we're guiding like mule deer and owl dad hunters in the davis mountains guys will come over and what happened and i'm like well you, you fucked up and uh i gotta be maybe a little more sensitive because mm -hmm. later on i'm explaining like oh we all do it i mean i wasn't saying that like i would have got it right i'm right. just telling you when you i think people don't realize until you do it when you get to where you're looking at as you said nothing looks the same yep and so then you're second guessing okay am, am i in am, am am i in the right spot and with a compound i could hang back 60 70 yards and wherever they got up be fine well now i don't get to do that and so right. it's a little bit more difficult um i don't know like last year or not last year the year before that the one you had killed you were taking your shoes off and the deer came out and you shot it basically. What, what happened with that? Now, Frank was solo, so the, it's a miracle he even got that close, but I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, well, that just kind of goes to your point. It, it doesn't necessarily look the same when you get over there. So <laughs> I was making my way towards where I thought these deer were and I saw a, a new deer that I hadn't spotted um, laying kind of out in the open. And I was like, well, they might be in that vicinity. So I started mo moving that way. And I got to a point where I wanted to take my boots off because I thought the deer were probably like 60, 70, 80 yards away. Well, I started taking my boots off and uh, I saw an antler twitch like 10 yards in front of me, right below me. And I'm like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, but 
Well, you killed that one, didn't you? Or one I did one? kill it, yeah. 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 I, I don't, trying to explain to people, kind of you're going to the top five when you're, you know, going through these. The more info you can get, the the better. Like, I've never got over there and like, man, I've written down too much info. Or, yeah. Because I, I. Well, I think we talked about it on a previous podcast, um, especially when they're feeding, moving to their to their glassing or to their bedding area when you're glassing them up you should probably count how many there are yeah and try to make sure you see where they where they all bed because in that instance that was a different deer a deer that was with the group but i hadn't paid attention to where it bedded yeah and i thought it was a maybe possibly a, a second group of deer or something but i think it's good to keep track of of all the deer and kind of where they're bedding at one of the things on one of the stocks and you've been in this position a ton but that first group i got in on uh remember i got like 18 yards from him and he was filming from the other side and they were bedded under like jack pine and bristlecomb and i was right behind it and one came out and i, I think you messaged me said do not shoot that deer and it came and faced me at i, I, mean, I would have killed it. it was close uh, and i'm like they're gonna see my fat ass like th th one of these bucks is gonna pick me off and I can't remember it ended up I had two deer sub twenty yards come out. One was a three by four and one was like a three year old four by four. But there was one in there that was giant. Like I don't know how big that deer was. Remember that it was big white three by four, wasn't it? Yeah. But I could see his horns through the jack pine as clear as a bell behind, and I'm like, Okay, this is gonna if this beer just let it stand up, I'll kill it. Well, every friend he had came to see me because obviously something they could, I don't know if it was me breathing or what, but they, two of them circled right and they looked back and one circled left and looked back and then they bugged out, didn't they? Oh. I wouldn't have found that without his help yeah. because every chunk of jack pine looks the same. I, I would have stalked the, and the problem was, is they could see through that jack pine back to me from, right, and you can't see that well, you know, you can't walk with your binoculars stuck yeah. to your eyes, so I, anyway, there's a lot of, it's interesting anytime I hear somebody tell me their first story of high country mule deer hunting, it's a lot of stories like that or yeah. hiked in too fast or hiked in on the first bed. Kendall was talking about that. He called me last night. You have to hold him back. Is he a little <laughs> anxious? Yeah. Kendall, um, gotta love him. He's, he's, uh, like, he reminds me of a friend of mine who put in, you know, putting in for uh, a hunt there in California for years and years and years, finally drew this tag. And uh, it's um, was a rut hunt for blacktails, which and you don't get those kind of opportunities in California. There's just a few special draw, you know, hunts there. And so he, uh, he goes on this, this hunt and I'm expecting to hear, you know, the shoots, this massive four by four, right? Well, this little forked horn walked out in front of him and he started thinking about the barbecue and that thing got narrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, 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 Kendall had said pretty much that, like you guys have to hold him back from diving face first in all, yeah. the, all the time, which whatever makes you happy. Right. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. Is he fairly fit? Cause he looks oh, like he could hike up a, a storm. Stud, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of those who's got I don't know what his inseam is, but it's got to be thirty six or something. It's just <laughs> miserable to try to keep up with. Well, yeah, and he's climbed, you know, an outdoorsman. He does yeah. a ton of that backcountry skiing, yeah, touring, yeah, touring. Yeah. Keep you in you know, it's bad too. Is Jay Byers, you know, the photographer? Man, that guy's no fun to hunt with. He's like. He oh, he's all hold on here. I'll just oh no, don't you just keep walking? He runs ahead of you, and then you know you 
come walking through something. He's taking pictures and he's not even breathing hard. You know, and I'm sucking wind like, like good grief, man. That's one of the coolest dudes I've met. So we were, he was down in with, with us in Texas. Uh-huh. And uh, he's one of the only cameramen you'll ever meet that every now and then you're like, we put the camera down and just look at animals because he's got good. Yeah. Eyes. He's a very, he's, he's not like having a cameraman. Like he is an asset from the beginning to the end. Um, and he's pretty chill. Like I lost the truck with him and Barklow. So, the sheep are here and we're kind of over here and the truck is here, which uh, we never found it. And so we took off to go on this stock and we walked away. And so I'm like, is, uh, you guys have any idea where the truck is? <laughs> I don't. And they were, I mean, you know, I'm sure they were irritated, but I was like, I, I have no idea where the truck is. I thought we should have hit it. Well, I was just like, Hey, we'll just head up here and hit the road. So we had to have Chad come get us. Cause I, couldn't find the truck uh-huh. as, as it turns out if we would have went 10 more feet we would have seen it but we you know the whole time he doesn't complain and i mean he's got good eyes when you're stalking he'll pick you know yeah. animals up and most of the time you don't get that with a cameraman yeah where he, he is yeah. and he's funnier than shit i mean he's super chill yeah you know? no he's good dude yeah mm-hmm. and it's interesting too i mean he's kind of a one of those adult onset hunters to a degree yeah yeah he doesn't have a ton of hunting experience which makes it even more remarkable that you know, he, he does as well as far as like picking animals up. Dude, what we were, so one of the hunts not to get off the, again, it's always easier from the spotter's perspective. Like, why didn't you do that? And yeah. so one of the last stocks, I was like, hey, rather than me lead you to, we got enough problems. You can see them. We were here. There's a big valley. And I said, go down and around. And if they, you push them, I'll try to bump them back. And I'm texting Jay and I'm like, dude, you, you bumped them. They're coming at me. And I sprinted forward like 200 yards and just, holy shit, they turn around. And I'm like, they're, they're fucking coming right at you, dude, right at you. And they all, 40 of them, and Barklow looked like Michael J. Fox. I mean, uh-huh. swinging his bow around. I mean, there was, there was Outdad going all over the place. And Jay came over to me later. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, uh, Barklow had to walk it off. Uh, he's not happy. <laughs> he just, I don't, just the way Jay's, he's, he never's anxious. He's just chill uh, all the time. He's oh, a good, yeah. good dude. No doubt. No uh, doubt. Yeah. The camera guy that we're bringing up for on this elk hunt, Levi, he's, dude's got awesome vision too, as far as like picking up animals and yeah. stuff. And I think that there's guys that get a chance to hunt a lot of whitetails, um, you know, and shoot multiple animals a year. And then they're turkey hunting and duck hunting and all that. They just are, you know, get exposed for so much um, greater percentage of the year, really develop and uh, um, improve their skills a lot. And then, you know, even though they've never or, you know, maybe not Western hunted so much, um, those skills, even though they're not in the same, um, you know, in the same uh, skill set. Well, it is the same skill set, really, but it's just applied into the mountains in a different, you know, in a different way. But I think in a lot of ways that, um, you know, the, some of the Western guys can learn from some of the Eastern guys. They, when you get the chance to, to be in front of so many animals a year, you know, notching half a dozen whitetail tags a year, year in and year out, where, you know, we might get one or two, you know, deer hunts a year, for the average Western guy, then I uh, can't um, can't underrate that experience. No, I can tell you what where it's helped me the most is um, uh, just because I've getting to hunt more now and, and depredation tags yeah. and 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 I'm I'm just getting to shoot a lot of arrows is what that animal is going to do depending upon where it's hit because yeah. you, you don't 
get to shoot a hundred deer normally a year. Right. And so knowing like, oh, liver lung, it's only going to go 50 yards. It'll bed up or whatever. Right. right? And having a really good, that's helped me out a lot on that. Cause normally a Western hunter, if you shoot three animals a year, you're, you're doing, you're crushing it. Yeah. You're doing pretty damn good. Um, so I, I agree. I mean, the, the thing too, like blood trailing is not something I, I don't see red overly well. And that's something where, uh, you weren't down there with Rhino. That dude might as well have been an Aboriginal tracker. I've, I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. Huh. And we'd fucked it up already. We'd walked all over the blood trail, and we're like, "Man, we're just not seeing." And he's like, "You're standing on blood." <laughs> Scotty's like, "Uh, we, why don't you go ahead and take over?" He, right. The dude it was just huh. a great blood trailer. Well, you know, he <clears throat> Wisconsin from a kid, yeah. and <clears throat> he picks up red well. Frank, you're good blood trailer too. I just don't pick up red that well. Uh, some of those guys though blood trailing 40 animals in a year we're blood trailing one or two a lot different so. yeah but. and i find i mean for myself um i'm pretty much perpetually optimistic but for some reason whenever i get on one of my own blood trails it's always like doom and gloom like i start second guessing myself and start worrying about man did i really hit it where i thought i hit it and man it shouldn't have gone this far and there should be more blood on the ground and and uh, it really gets me sweating at that bull that i shot the five foot bull my entrance you know and exit were both you know probably midship height wise on that bull and i uh, didn't leave a lot of blood on the ground and even though i saw you know right where the arrow went um and it was a it was a good hit it was kind of quartering just slightly into me and i uh, that thing it i probably went little over 100 yards um and uh but it didn't leave a lot of blood on the ground and and i was starting to sweat it and you know you start all these things start going through your head um second guessing yourself and and uh, i i never have that issue when i'm helping somebody else blood trail an animal i'm always you know a lot more optimistic about recovery but it, it's just kind of funny how psychologically things can happen well i think uh some of your videos show really well what a how far a mortally wounded deer can run downhill. Uh I think some people think that they always die in 50 yards. And there was, well, that one I shot with you, Frank, I got paranoid as shit because it was those willows are, you know, eight feet high and, and uh, he bombed downhill. And I'm like, if he gets in those willows, I don't, this is not good. Yeah. And uh, I remember watching one of your videos and that one deer went, 175 yeah. 250 yards straight downhill how far do you know which one i'm talking about i mean it bombed downhill there's two of them that i one of them um so perseverance that one went quite a ways yeah that one left an, a blood trail stevie wonder could have followed though <laughs> and uh then there was another one that um again was kind of filmed from way above and this is the one that was filmed through a spotting scope so as he's panning it's kind of jerky footage yeah that may be the one but it went a long ways and that deer barely left any blood on the ground and i shot him from literally about 10 feet straight down i mean the bottom limb was between my legs kind of like a mountain goat shot you know and uh he um if the cameraman hadn't been higher in position and saw you know exactly where that deer ran watched him do a little button hook around a tree and then that's the one i'm thinking of yeah Yeah, one little pine tree and he kind of hooked around it yeah i just when i watched that i was like fuck yeah (laughs) that would be bad yep uh, yeah, because that that deer, he wasn't alive for very long after I shot him, but he every second he was alive, it was wide open sprint. Well, he died on his feet. Yeah. I mean, he, that's what was crazy was obviously you hit some major 
crap inside of him. Cause yeah. he, but for whatever reason, that adrenaline, I mean, cause he died was DOA. He right. died at four, but he went around that tree and fell. And I'm like, if I didn't have blood, I don't know that you would have found that deer. Right. Um, so it's, it's good. I think that, um, that's one of the things people really have issues with too, is where they hit, where yeah. it went, what direct people get pretty confused with right. that at times. So I don't know in the high country, cause you, you had sent me a message on the inReach. It said ducked up. I was laughing. You said, I think you, I think you said something like, I think you got him. He looked real ducked up. Uh-huh. And I was like, I think I, I pinwheeled him. Well, I got down there and I'm like, huh. And, and what I ended up doing, those shoots, there was like creek shoots. Yeah. And I'm like, at the speed he was going and what it was sounding like, he had to have run down these boulders. So I just crossed all of them looking for blood. And the second one, I hit blood and he ran right down one of those. And he still went. I don't know what hundred yards straight downhill. Maybe. Yeah, I had, I lost him in the camera and I was pretty zoomed out, so he went a pretty decent ways. But the shot was good. Yeah, I mean I double lunged him, but hit, yeah, I don't know. I guess if you hit me in the lung, I can run downhill for quite a ways. I mean, other thing too, how far they can roll. <laughs> yeah, that, oh man. Yeah, they can go. They can go a while. But. Yeah, nothing makes you sicker when you got a nice velvet buck and they start <laughs> rolling. <laughs> uh, I I had that goat roll. 2000 feet oh, um man. oh there wasn't much horn i mean it was big when i shot it it wasn't very i tell you what though that goat was good we got all the meat tenderized, tenderized. Uh-huh. We, we ate a lot of it the next morning the whole camp huh it was awesome i couldn't believe it i mean and that goat had eyeballs were popped out i mean it oh, literally man. fell for five minutes and it almost fell to the horses and i've only had that happen once on a deer and and what was crazy is it broke uh, it's a little bit of its G4 off, but there wasn't any velvet left, and it was full velvet when uh-huh. it started. But it was going through willows, and I think those willows, when it was toppling, was just ripping yeah. off the velvet. But yeah, what um, what is your biggest buck before we get off here? Uh, it's one I shot um, like probably 2004, and uh, gross 202 and. Three eighths, I think. Something was, like that was that that it was a compound that was on video though. Is that no, the one? that was I shot that one not on video. Okay, I was trying to think. You shot a real big one where you couldn't see over the bushes, and I can't remember. It's years ago. I watched this, and and your rangefinder was giving you like six yards, and it was like a oh, one yeah. one eighty type buck, maybe. That was a, I think that that was the one on Eastman. Yeah, yeah it could be. Yeah, man. it was a while since yeah, I've seen it. I think that one's like one seventy eight, and I think they said one eighty. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it looked one eighty ish. Yeah, so. yeah, it was it was a heck of a deer. That was one I shot when uh, Cam was hunting. Yeah, gotcha. I was like that was 05 in Nevada. That was like the last good year. You know, I I saw um, a buck that was probably pushing Boone and Crockett on that trip, um, and then since then that place just went steadily down. Yeah, yeah. I shot a good non typical in there too uh, one year. I never did score it, but he was nine on one side and I think seven on the other. And it was a you know good frame buck, um, but I, uh, I I never did put a tape on. Yeah, gotcha. Well, you got any words of wisdom? Anything? Tell people where they can find you. The obviously stalker the podcast. Your pay your Instagram yeah, page. All those, that. Yeah, stalker stick bows on Instagram, Facebook, um, and the Western Bowhunter podcast that that uh, I will be doing more of. <laughs> There's uh, over a hundred episodes, you know, it's just been sporadic and release. So um, there's a lot of great content. If you've never listened to it, a lot of back episodes that are still relevant. And uh, yeah. And then the YouTube channel, Stalker Stickbows, um, where I was doing DVDs there for the first couple of years. And there's, I've got like 10 hunts on DVD um, that are still available on my website, but everything uh, went, like the last probably four or five years has been 
probably three years, three or four years has gone to um, just directly to YouTube. And that's what we'll be. Gotcha. So, and then for those asking, cause I got a bunch of questions on, on social, uh, you built me a G10 Wolverine with prototype ACS lens. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then a prototype vortex with yeah so that, that vortex actually is um it's not a prototype it's just that was the first g10 riser um vortex that we've done okay so yeah we've we're offering that you know currently and uh what's the uh, upcharge for the g10 uh let's see is it is it on your the, site I, yeah i think it's 125 and uh part of that is materials part of that is your tooling it takes, yeah <laughs> oh my goodness it takes about four times the, the length of time to run it on the cnc and then also just cutting bandsawing them out we have to use a diamond blade bandsaw blade and it takes forever to cut out a g10 <laughs> riser on uh, on the bandsaw yeah i was surprised it wasn't a, a larger upcharge just because i know what it does to the tooling yeah. too i mean it crushes the tooling but um but yeah the are you going to offer that wolverine system yeah it's a, yeah so, so i would only thing i would say is you're probably going to have to spine down um yeah would be my initial when i say that meaning if you're shooting 52 pounds and a 350 grain arrow you could probably get away with 49 pounds and shoot the same arrow uh just keep keep that in mind and i don't have i only had it a week but mm-hmm um it, it it definitely you can order less weight and get the same speed i will say that three to four pounds i would guess and and have the same speed that you're probably working with already yeah something to think about yeah for sure and it is um the, the draw cycle on those super curved limbs there's really a pleasant limb to shoot i i will say it it doesn't it doesn't which i'm glad it does not have the let off feeling that where you're holding nothingness it it actually to me it doesn't stack but it, it loads well I, I i charted it out it loads correctly in my opinion throughout so like from 27 to 28 was just at two pounds per inch 28 to 29 actually dropped down uh to just under two pounds per inch and so you don't have that that uh feeling of holding nothing and where maybe somebody with a little bit crappier release would um uh, have some potential issues right. like, like myself. Uh, you don't get that. And so it's, it's about perfect as far as that, that goes to, to me where you're not stacking at all, but you're also not dropping off from like two and a quarter to a pound and a half or something at the, at the last inch it's, it's holding steady and it's, it's super smooth. Um, I, it's one of the smoother limbs I've actually drawn, um, right. to me. And again, I don't have to worry about the is you and I both have a little bit of release problems. Yeah. I don't have to worry uh-huh. about it too much. And the stability of that limb cleans a lot of that up because yeah. of that carbon. Yeah, that bottom, I mean, the, the release issue that you're re- referencing is that um, that high elbow, that pulling the <laughs> string into an S curve with that bottom, you know, th- that third finger down that it really, uh, it does. It is interesting to look, you know, if you look at somebody who's drawing and it shoots with a high elbow and how much of a twist you can put in your string and then uh you know what that does to the limbs when you release it and then you know it it makes tuning a little bit more challenging but unfortunately i've just tried tried and tried to you know lower that elbow and it feels so unnatural i don't give a shit anymore we talked about it some dude was blasting me for not shooting a vertical bow Mm -hmm. Uh, he'd ended up deleting his post but I, i was like some of the top hunters in the world with a stick bow can't we we lean you know yeah. and it, it works and uh 
I, I just I, I do it consistently, so I just don't give a shit. I tune right. in for it. I mean, I don't I don't know what else. To, I mean, people ask. I'm like, don't copy my form, but it works for me. Sure. I'm not going to change. So. Uh, on another note, kind of deleting posts drives me nuts. Uh, it's like, I mean, it's one thing if it's kind of, you know, offensive or whatever, but if somebody says something and then you reply in a respectful manner, but it's a educational response that somebody else can learn from, then, and the other person's embarrassed about what they said, you know, to begin with, it's like, leave it up because then somebody else can learn from it. Yeah. It, you know? it was interesting. Um, what he had said, I did get pissed. Uh, I was irritated because he basically, Daniel Collins kicked the shit out of us at that team shoot, you know, uh -huh. but it's like, it's like Jordan. And uh, he more or less, because I made a statement of, you know, I, I probably could shoot a vertical bow. I'm just not going to. I shoot really well the way I am, so I don't want to change. Uh -huh. And he pretty much said that was stupid, uh, that I should change. And I'm like, well, dude, you never killed anything. You've never hunted in the mountains. I'm like, that bow cant is helpful a sure. lot. Yep. And uh, clear that bottom limb, you know, if you're having to shoot off your knees, you're not going to shoot a vertical bow no. off your knees. Or off a cliff, it can yep. be a problem too. And mm -hmm. so I had touched on the fact of it's easy to cast stones while you're drinking a Mountain Dew and stuffing a ho-ho down your mouth shooting tournaments. Like we, we have to live, survive, get yep. there, find animals. There's a lot more to it. So you're kind of discrediting some of the hunters by all the other work they put in as sure. well as shooting. Um, and again, it was more of, um, I thought it was more of a clickbait type post because uh -huh. he tagged a lot of people oh, for whatever uh -huh. reason. And huh. I, I was like, well, you're also not comparing apples to apples. I'm shooting 60 pounds. He's shooting 38. Right. I'm shooting 170 feet a second. He's shooting 230. Yeah. Um, I, you know, not, not making excuses. That's just, that's the bow that's I chose. Reality. That's reality. Mm -hmm. And so hunting would how would he do with the 38 pound bow string walking sure. you know it's not apples to apples and so yeah it's it's interesting because i i'm a, i mean i'm not don't certainly don't copy my form but when people hop on um be no different you and i giving tournament advice right i mean yeah. i'm not going to talk about shooting in the olympics right I'm, I'm a hunter and and uh well frank you talked about it you had three guys that just beat the shit out of you and I wouldn't pick any of them to go hunting with. Not to say anything wrong with them, but I, I know your skill set. <laughs> and they beat you by... I don't well. Oh, I got spanked. <laughs> um, did you guys... Not, sorry to change the subject. Did you say speed walking is in the Olympics? What? Yes. Speed walking <laughs> is in the Olympics. Yeah. Didn't they yeah. take... They took wrestling out of the Olympics and put in speed walking? There's a, yeah, there's some interesting that, events, yeah. Oh, my God. That's funny. It's for distance. There's like a 5K... A, like a 25k or something like that. I wonder that, what yeah. their stance on transgender like speed walking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing in the way anymore. Well, there so is a transgender there was a controversial transgender uh person in the female um weightlifting division. Uh-huh. And I think she crushed or, it. She, well, not necessarily. I I think on a couple of lifts she did, but um on a couple of them she didn't even get to the finals. Huh. So but I know that thing was pretty pretty uh, controversial, and Rogan had a podcast with a, a woman from, um, I think, Harvard. They talked in depth about it. He doesn't think they should be in there, which maybe there should be a separate separate class or something. Well, I, yeah, you know what? I'm not, yeah, I don't want to dive down yeah, that right. rabbit hole. <laughs> this, yeah, could, this could turn into a very long podcast. Nothing to do with hunting. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I just think that... Um, you know, shoot what you're comfortable with yep. and, and go from, from there and shoot the most accurate you, you, you can. And again, 
you know, I'm not I'm not John Dimmer or or, or Dan Collins, and it's fun to shoot with guys that are good. You know, they can yeah. shoot, but it, I mean, my my point was. I'm not fat shaming you because you have man boobs and couldn't make it up the mountain. How come you got to form shame me? You know, like uh-huh. I, I, I think <clears> I actually <throat> said that to him on the phone. I'm like, dude, see, I'm getting made fun of because I don't <laughs> shoot a vertical bow. Let me pick your life apart. Uh-huh. Like Jesus, I've been successful with it. And I brought up you and Jake and Remy Warren and guys, mm-hmm. you know, Fred, we all, we all can't, yeah. you know, we all lean over. I'm sorry you don't like it, but Jesus, do we really is it a shit i mean it made no sense to me it just right. didn't if it was something where he wanted to sit down and have a podcast talk about the pros and cons yeah but me talking about the pros of shooting vertical bow is about like me talking about the pros of brain surgery i haven't shot a vertical bow and don't uh-huh. mess with it and so i was like well dude you've never even been on a mountain nor right. killed an animal like it you, why are you speaking about this like would you shoot a vertical bow off some of the shots you've well, the, some of the shots can't, you can't. Right? That's yeah. what I mean. You I mean, can't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had to, and this is, I had a, I had a buck, really nice buck that I missed one year that I had to cant my bow in the opposite direction Ooh. in order just to be able to sh- get the shot. It'd be like me wiping with the wrong hand. That would be yeah. difficult. For oh, me to do. yeah. It's, <laughs> it, that's a good analogy because I, uh, I mean, the, uh, the results are about the same. Your fingers are. <laughs> <laughs> They're dirty one way or another. Right. Yeah. yeah. Needless to say, I missed my shot and I didn't, you know, I, it was an interesting learning experience because I, I was on a, uh, on a cliff that, um, super steep and I was having, to, uh, you know, the, the cliff went up to my left. So I couldn't shoot my normal shot, which is top limb candid to the, to the right. Cause then that kicked your bottom limb to the right or to the left, excuse me. So it would have hit the rock. So I had to cant it the opposite direction and it was, you know, a straight down shot almost. And you, you couldn't hardly come into a more awkward feeling situation. And, uh, I shot about, I don't know, it was about eight inches to the left. Um, canting my bow there, you know, that top <laughs> limb to the left. Yeah. Well, it's just, it, and again, like I've, I've talked about that and guys are like, well, if you shoot a vertical bow, that wouldn't happen. It's like, you don't understand it. You don't have that option. You can't yeah. shoot a vertical a tree stands. Another one where it's a little bit difficult, mm-hmm. but I don't, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I just, I kind of laughed at it. It wasn't that big of a deal, but well, I, I think he deleted it one. Cause I'm like, dude, if you wanted to make a positive learning experience, you, you <clears throat> fucked that up. Like mm-hmm. you totally made this clickbait, not. Right. Let's sit and talk about it. And I think the sit and talk about it thing's good because I don't think people should follow my form or I think they should follow the form that works best for them. Yeah. But um, I, again, I, comparing me to Daniel Combs is probably not the best. The kid's a freak of nature. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to say about, you know, experience because there's certainly a lot of people that shoot a lot better than I do and, you know, who hunt, um, but aren't as consistently successful and it comes down to a lot of it is just you know experience time in the field and you got to get out there um and there's a i think a generation of upcoming archers that have learned under tom clum that are going to be exceptional shots and as they continue to learn while they're in the field are going to turn into some exceptional. no that that's 100 percent correct and um you find someone who's hungry that's willing to leave at Friday after work and drive till dark and hike in and scout and then has the shooting behind them. And yeah, that's going to be a a very lethal, lethal person. I mean, Frank, you started this. You didn't, some of your stories starting out are funnier than hell because it's very realistic. Like you said, you went to Dick's and bought a bow 
and, and headed out your first well, how old I got like you? a kit bow from Cabela's. Yeah. It was a PSC stinger <laughs> yeah. with uh, full length arrows from probably Walmart or something, gold tips and uh, muzzy broadheads or something. You and, got uh, some shots though. Missed a lot of shots. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, but you didn't have the internet as much back then. Now you can, you can learn quite a bit. Yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about broadhead tuning or, <laughs> or any of that. And then I finally ended up going to Pellegrino's and Evan Williams helped me out a lot yeah in the beginning there's so much information now and better so much better equipment i mean i look back to when i started and they were um you know a bow sight was a piece of stamped aluminum that uh you know the side that mounted on your bow and the pins um were brass pins threaded yep single locking <laughs> brass pins and i can remember one time dis distinctly getting all you know my three or four sight pins sighted in and then they all came loose from vibrating and all my my pins were at the bottom Looked of my like sight bracket yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like so frustrating and the the stuff that you don't have to deal with because of improvements so, of technology now with, with what he's talking about because i remember how smart i thought i was i took a file and filed down that the nipple and then painted it with with yeah. tritium paint that was like as high tech as it could get. And then uh, it was threaded and you had a nut and a nut on each side of the aluminum stamp. But you could flex that. Oh, easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you set your bow down wrong, <laughs> not even dropping it, just setting it down wrong. Uh, yeah, it's, it is a lot. Things have changed a lot because at that time I had a Camp Trails pack way back. Yep. And then a MSR Whisper Light was yep. like the stove to have. That was, you were high tech and uh white think, gas all over the place and, oh yeah i remember when in the morning it was cold and i went to purge it and i'd get gas on my hand or 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 whatever um that though i i just don't think you get the full the full package without doing some dumb shit like that uh -huh. and using crappy gear you really enjoy where back then it took 45 seconds just to get it to the, the, the giant flame to calm down for the pisser to heat up <laughs> where now my water's already boiling with a reactor or a wind yeah. burner or something. It's already boiling by the time I even thought about putting something on top of that whisper light. Um, you probably started with a whisper light too, didn't oh, you? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. That was like it back in the day. That yeah. smell still reminds, anytime oh, yeah. I smell it, it reminds me of backpacking as a and kid. And then you get the black soot everywhere yeah. on the inside of your pack. And <laughs> <laughs> He's been there. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming down. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, yeah, looking forward to the to the elk hunt. Uh, that'll be that'll be. I that should make for one hell of a video. Mike is de definitely a comedian, so between him and all of us, it yeah. should make a good trip. Yeah, Levi's a barrel of laughs too. We got we uh, we got in a bagel fight at the uh, the m last morning we were there because we had you know. We had packed in for five or six days um, into that second location there and, and uh, killed my bull the first day we were in there. So we had a bunch of food we didn't necessarily want to, have to carry back out. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> that was funny. pretty fun. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. Well, shit. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, as far as all the listeners, the amazing amount of feedback we've gotten, the insane amount of downloads. Um, little little did we know that people would like to listen to two dummies talk on the mic. So appreciate all the listeners tuning in and all the good comments. And uh, appreciate everything you do for the industry, Sal. Ah, sure yeah, thing, man. You. And and I could say that for you as well. It's been been great. You've uh, certainly helped every boyer out there with uh, with more orders. I'm certain of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully that continues, and we can 
get rid of some of the crusties and, and get some of the happier people uh, <laughs> rowing the boat the same direction. So. There you go. All right, everybody, take it easy.